Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. guest here today, we say welcome. Thank you for being here. and so glad if this is your first time to join us for a Sunday service. We hope it won't be your last. And or if you've been out of town for the last week or two, um, we're working through a four-week series that is a little different than my normal series. Tonight at five o'clock, we'll be in Genesis, actually. Uh, we'll be in our series, uh, our series on Joseph's life tonight at five, and, and I'll be preaching actually on Judah, his brother, Genesis 38. We'll be looking at that chapter tonight. And this series, this four weeks, is a little different than my normal format because this is really a, uh, a training, a teaching, a preparing, a philosophical, doctrinal uh, series to get our church ready for a really big uh, schedule change that we're making that we're launching on Easter. And two weeks ago, I guess it's been two weeks now, on Vision Sunday, uh, we laid out a bunch of practical things. Now we are preaching through a passage for these and teaching doctrinally, why do these things matter? And if you're here, you're visiting from out of town. Some of this would not apply to you as it relates to this church, but it should apply to you in whatever church you call home. And so take the truths that we're going to look at, apply them to your life. What we're looking at is not, when I say philosophical, it's not my philosophy. I believe it's biblical truth and, and God's teaching for what our part in the New Testament local church should be. And so last week, um, talk to me, our church theme, two weeks ago we introduced is three to what? Three to thrive. And what that means, we've talked about, is sit in one, gather in a worship service with our church family every week, serve in one, and share in one. Share in one would be, uh, um, serve in one would be our service teams, share in one would be our community groups, finding a group of people that you're building relationships with, you're growing together, you're getting to know, you're praying together, you're learning together, and that is God's plan for the Christian life. We don't, we don't have to do this on our own. And may I go a step farther? We're not supposed to do this on our own. And we need each other. And we saw that last week, multiple one another's in Scripture. And, uh, and so today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians 4. And in just a moment, I want to make it clear, we've been passing out for two weeks this commitment card. So some of you might have one that is in your Bibles. The one you have is an olive green color. It's two weeks old, it's now obsolete, okay? We have, as we've been working through some of these logistics, we told you, be flexible, we're gonna see some holes and some things that we need to add. We've redesigned this with a couple other pieces of information that we need to be able to gather as we prepare for our launch. So every person needs one of these. Not, you say, I already got one of those last week or the week before. The one you have, you don't want it anymore. You want this one, all right? And so every, in just a moment, the ushers are going to give everyone take one of these. Next Sunday, we're calling it Commitment Sunday, where we're going to turn this in, and I'll talk about this some today, and I'll talk about it again next Sunday. I want every person to have one. And then, if you were not here or you did not get one of these, this is, I think it's a 16 or 20-page booklet that talks about a lot about what's happening in our church this year and uh, has some events and some other things. I want to make sure every person that does not have one of these gets one. So the ushers are going to be coming through with both. They're going to pass down the commitment card to everybody. Just slip your hand up if you want the booklet. And if they have their hands up, ushers, we'll give them the booklet. Come on down, ushers, and we'll take care of that. And we're going to jump into Serve in One. And I saw John and Linda from Texas. Welcome back home to Southern California. Always good to have you at Liberty. And Frazier, you and your family, you've been a couple times to our, our parenting community group. I think it's your first Sunday service with us. We welcome you. And uh, JR, there's some folks there with your family. Welcome you to church this morning. And I'm looking, where did Cooper go? Cooper, oh, right here. Cooper graduated from our high school last year and is now studying. Uh, he graduated from Newport Christian here and is now at Grand Canyon University and uh, home, I guess, for break, getting ready to go back soon. I'm proud of Cooper and growing in the Lord and glad to have you back in church this morning. And if there are other guests or visitors or family members that I've missed, uh, welcome. And if I've not had a chance to meet you yet, my wife Tiffany and I will be in the uh, lobby after the service. I'd love to get a chance to meet you. And so everybody get those commitment cards. Make sure everybody's got one of those. Uh, the, the tan one, not the olive one. 
And we're going to go through that in our service today a little bit, talk a little bit more about that. Um, but we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number four, and we're going to talk about serve in one. So talk to me. What's our theme? Three to, three to thrive. And give me the three things. If we're going to be thriving in our life at Liberty this year as members, as folks that are here, talk to me. We need to be, number one, sit in. And then number two, serve in one. Number three. Share in one. And you say, Pastor Ryan, is there like some place where you get commissioned based on how many people are going to community groups, and why are you pushing all of this? The answer is yes. That's exactly why. No, the answer is that's not the case. Why? Because I've watched in my own life, and now in nearly 24 years of vocational ministry, I've watched those that stay isolated, stay kind of on the sidelines, on the fringe, kind of just what I would call Christian consumers, slide in, hear a message, slide out. I've watched that, and then I've watched those that, that follow the biblical example we find in the New Testament church and plug in, and the difference is staggering. And your, your growth, your enjoyment, your fulfillment, your eternal rewards are going to be far more as you learn the joy of gathering with a church family on a regular basis, of serving together for the sake of the gospel, doing something bigger than yourself, working together as the body of Christ to help get the gospel out to Orange County and around the world, and then growing in relationships. Some of my best friends, really most of my best friends in the world now, are people that are in the family of God, people in the church where we grew up, or people that I grew up with in church, or people now in this church, and uh, we need each other. And uh, uh, ushers, we just had, I'm going to have to ask him to leave, we just had a man walk in with a Ravens jersey. Jay, we cannot allow that in church this morning right there, Jay. Right here, these folks are closer to heaven. They both, the Carusos both wore their 49ers uh, shirts today, and so God loves you guys more, all right? We know that. We know you pray for, pray for Brock Purdy tonight. All right, Ephesians chapter number four. Let's read, let's read chapter number four, verse number seven aloud to us. Chapter four, verse number seven. Let's read it aloud together. Ready? Begin. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to believers. He's writing to church members. He's writing to Christians. And we don't have time. I'm, I was going to read the whole chapter. You can go back and read it. We're going to look at most of it this morning. But Paul is talking about the fact here, he says, every one of us has received gifts from God that are, and they're different gifts, and they're on different measures, and they're different, they're different uh, abilities and resources. We all have different ones, but he gave them to us, and then he's going to talk about why he gave them to us. You can study on your own 1 Corinthians 12. It talks about the exact same thing. Paul writing to another church, and he says, well, in fact, we'll read some of that verse together on the screens today, that, that chapter. But he says he likens the church to a physical body. That's why we call it the body of Christ. It really comes from Paul's teachings there, and there's some other spots where it calls it the body of Christ. But Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 calls the church, and, and again, I, always, I, I sometimes sound like a broken record, but I want to make sure we understand, the church is not the building. Liberty Baptist Church is not 1000 Bison Avenue. You and I all make up Liberty Baptist Church, just like my body is not, in, is not the home we live in in Lake Forest. That's not my body, that's where my body re resides and my body sleeps. But if that home burned down today and I wasn't in it, my body would still be here. And if this building burned down today and we couldn't gather here next Sunday, we would still be Liberty Baptist Church. And so he likens the church to a body. And then he talks about the body has all kinds of different members. It has the eyes and the ears, and it's got the feet and the legs, and it's got, it's got a heart, and it's got lungs, and it's got all these things that do things together. And he says, that's what a church is supposed to look like. Everybody is different. Everybody has different skills. Everybody has different personalities. Everybody has different abilities. Everybody has different resources. Everybody has different relationships. And the Bible says that God puts you into a church to make that church more healthy, if you will, the body healthy. And what does a healthy body of Christ do? It shares the gospel. It reaches people. It disciples people. It grows people up in doctrinal things. And he says that you 
you have a part to play in that. There is nowhere, no example in Scripture of a church or a Christian or a church member that is growing on their own away from the body, that is, that is not plugged in, that is not serving, that is just, just sitting and receiving. That's not the example. God gifts each of us differently for different purposes, he says in verse 7. Skip down for the sake of time to verse number 11. Verse 11, he's talking again about different gifts and different roles. He says, and he, says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Would you read verse 12 aloud? Why did he give those? Verse 12, let's read it aloud. Ready? Begin. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. When you read verses 11 and 12, do you know what one of my God-given jobs is? One of the reasons he gave you a pastor is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. He's given you gifts according to different measures. He's given you different resources. There are people that you, will, that, that, that you could reach that I will never be able to reach. There are things you could do that I would never be able to do, and there are people that I can reach that you'll never be able to reach. He gives all of us different gifts and abilities and resources and relationships, and then it says, and then he gives you spiritual leaders, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Why does he give those? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. One of my jobs is to help you find ways that you can use the different things he's given you for eternal purposes. Uh, the Bible teaches, I believe, God gives us spiritual gifts, and we'll see some of those in the passage today. We won't break them down individually today. That's another message for another time. But there are different—and and you know people, some people, you'll just say, man, they're just gifted in teaching. Man, that person is just an encourager. That person just has a gift to encourage everyone. That person is—they're gifted in giving. They just, they, I give, but man, I, it's kind of like, uh, I pry it out of my cold, dead hands, and that person's just, they live with open hands. Well, what is that? Well, maybe it's just personality differences, and some of it is God makes people differently, but God gives spiritual gifts. And it's our job to know what some of our giftings are, the, the spiritual gift of mercy, and, and what is our gifting, and then to use it for His glory. I'm going to give you from this passage Three keys to a healthy biblical church, a church where lost people are being saved, new and old believers alike are growing in Christ together, and every believer is serving using their gifts, their resources, their abilities to God's glory and to eternal purposes. By the way, I believe that God gives us gifts that we can use for earthly purposes, and that's not a bad thing. We can use it in our career to advance and to work, but it becomes a bad thing if we don't use that, those gifts that he gives us for eternal purposes. And so looking at what has God given me, I'm a steward of it, how can I use it for eternal purposes? I'm going to give us three, three keys, three marks of a healthy biblical church where lost people are being reached, believers are being edified, believers are growing in Christ together, and everyone is using their gifts to God's glory. Number one, we see in this passage, uh, a, a healthy church has to be unified in our spirit. Would you look at chapter four, verse number one? Chapter four, verse number one. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, beg you, I ask you, I plead with you that you would walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. I want you to notice, I'm not going to have the time to pull it all out in every verse, but notice how many words he uses that are like action verbs that carry along the idea you're supposed to be doing something as a Christian. You're not just supposed to be absorbing and receiving and consuming, that you would walk. That's an action verb. Worthy of the vocation with where with you are called. Verse number two, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering. Do you see that next phrase? Forbearing one another in what church? In love. Verse three, endeavoring to keep the what church? Unity of the spirit in the bond of what? Sometimes it feels like Christians are just looking for something to fight about. 
and they're looking for somebody to fight with. And by the way, the Bible says, contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. There is a time to stand up and fight, but be careful that you're fighting for the right things and you're fighting the right people and for the right reasons sometimes. And some of the stuff that we American Christians sometimes fight about, it is foreign to those that live in another country or to missionaries that serve in another land. And they're like, why are you fighting over stupid stuff? We have people here that have never heard the name of Jesus. He says here, a healthy church, love, peace, unity, forbear with one another, put up with each other, love each other, keep the unity of the Spirit. By the way, that's the key, the unity of the Spirit. We don't believe in unity at all costs. Doctrine divides. But unity of the Spirit, if we, are, if we are brought together by the Spirit of Christ, by the gospel of Christ, by the Holy Spirit, there's a unity that comes there. Verse 4, would you read verse 4 aloud with me? Ready? Begin. There is one body and even as you're called in, one hope of your calling. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Do you notice what is he saying? Make sure. He's going to get here in a minute about the fact that God's given us gifts to use for his glory, and you should be, the pastor should be equipping you to find your gifts. Or, and not only my job, but that's one of my jobs is to help you see, oh, I need to use this for God's glory. I need to use this for eternal purposes. This is, wasn't just made to make my life better or my life easier or my life richer. I can use this, yes, to bless my family, but I can also use this to bless God's family. I can also use this to reach other people. But before he gets there, do you notice what he says? Make sure you're unified. Make sure your, your, your body is characterized by harmony and peace and love and unity. And I love our church by the way, in our 47 and a half year history, this hasn't always been the story. When Pastor Tomlinson came here, this was not a unified body. There were schisms and there were fights and there were, there were, there were power struggles and groups. But for many years, for much of the time, this has been a church that is unified, that understands the, what the main thing is, what we're, what we're called to do and why we're here. And we seek to, for, we're not perfect at it, but we seek to forbear one another in love. And I don't, I don't come to church with a pit in my stomach. Oh, I wonder if I'm going to see that member. And I wonder what they're going to say. And I wonder if those two people are still fighting. Again, that doesn't mean there's never, you, you go to church long enough with hundreds of people, there's going to be conflict happens. There's going to be disagreements. You, you can't live in your own home with three or four four or five people without that happening. How do you think you're going to go to church with hundreds of people without that happening from time to time? I'm not saying it never happens, but it's not the overarching spirit of this church. And I'm thankful for that. Unified in our spirit, before we can worry about growing in Christ personally or serving others, we must first be unified with the body. When a body is fighting itself, it has no energy to do anything else. What happens when a body gets a virus? Why do we just lay down and we're literally of no good to the world? What's happening when we have a virus? All the energy of the body, all the immune system is doing what? I'm not a doctor, but from what I understand, it's all rushing to that place of sickness and all the, it's why you get tired. It's why you get fatigued. It's why you need to lay down and take a nap. Why? When you're, when you're feeling sick, because the body is using all the energy it should be using to work and to help people and to do things you want to be doing. And what, instead, all that energy is going to the place of sickness, is going to the place of attack, is going to the place where there's weakness. And this is true in the church as well. And for believers, when a body is fighting itself, it has no energy to do anything else. We cannot be fighting within the church and serving others outside the church. Can I say that again? We cannot be fighting within the church and then serving others outside the church. We don't have enough energy. We can do one or the other. I was so encouraged, and, and this, what we're launching in Easter is a pretty big service schedule change. Literally, uh, every person that comes to our church, their Sunday schedule is going to be different. I was talking to our staff on Monday, walking through some things, and we're just trying to make sure we're doing everything wisely and thinking through where a, a ball might drop and all of those things. And I said, it's a rare thing in the history of a church that you make a change of some sort that literally affects every person's experience at the church or, or schedule. There's not one, we all come to church at 10. There's not one of us that is, uh, unless you're really late to the nine o'clock or really early to the 1045, that's coming at 10. I was sitting at my house this morning, 
at uh, 8.45, um, finishing getting ready. And I said, I'm going to be eating breakfast burritos two months from now at this time. We're already going to have to be at church. Not, get to be at church, not have to be. Get to be at church. <laughs> and then it was 9 o'clock, and we hadn't left the house yet. And I said, service is already going to be starting. Why am I? I'm trying to mentally prepare myself. I'm trying to get ready. Like, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. I'm going to have to get into a new rhythm on Sundays. And by the way, so is everybody. And I love, I've been so encouraged by the response of our church because you know what happens? People, none of us by nature, or I should say very few of us by nature, really like change. We all like stability, don't we? We all like our comfort zones. We all like our routines. And yet our church family has said, as we've met and we've prayed and we've talked for months now and we launched a few weeks ago, our church family has said, we believe this is going to allow us to reach more people, to involve more people, to engage more people in the ministry. We can't wait to see what God's going to do. I've been so encouraged. I, I, I did Vision Sunday. And sometimes when you make a change as a pastor, um, and, and this isn't a doctrinal change, but it's a format change, the ones you're most scared about, how are they going to receive it? are the ones that either have been in the church a really long time, so they're used to the same thing, or they've been on earth a really long time. The older we get, the less we like change. That's just true, right? The older you get, the less you like change. So if you've been in this church or you've been on this earth a long time, I'm like, how are they going to handle it? And you know, and I don't want to start calling names, but over and over and over again, Joe, how long have you been in the church? 96, so would that be... 20, I don't know, that's 27 years, is that right? 27 years, and you know what? Joe, after we met, and he came, he walked out. Well done, Pastor, I'm excited. I got a text last week from Renee. Renee's been here longer than that, I think. And Renee said, Joe and I are with you 100%. We can't wait to see what this does for our church. The first person that met me, I don't see Rick here this morning, Rick and Anna. First person that met me as I walked out of Vision Sunday was Anna Atherton. They've been in our church so long. And Anna gave me a big hug. She said, thank you for making this change for me. I was like, I don't know what that means, but you're welcome. And it was so exciting. Becky Bird, after we had that first meeting, uh, it was still three months away. And you said, you were in the sound booth. And I walked out of a Sunday night service and you said, we're ready. And I said, we're ready for what? Like, I just got done preaching. I'm going home to eat my snacks. She said, we're ready. I said, what are you talking about? She said, why can't we start Three to Thrive right now? Why do we have to wait till Easter? And, and over and over and over again, there's that spirit of, if this is where God's leading us, let's jump in and let's make sure we stay unified. Romans chapter number 12, this idea of unity before service Romans 12, the Bible says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, notice this, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. You see that? We have many members... In one body, we all have a different job to do. But did you see what, before he talked about how we all have a different job to do? At the beginning, he said, we have to make sure we stay humble and get along with each other. And, and he said, don't think more highly than you should. Notice the next one, the next verse. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without dissimulation. It's a very simple, we're not going to, it's basically, if I could paraphrase, drama, uh, hypocrisy about it. Let it just sincerely love each other and use your gifts to make the body healthier so that Christ's name, as we sang in our second song this morning, can be magnified from the altar of our lives. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Notice this. Would you read this verse aloud with me? Ready? Begin. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. And then the next verse, let's read it. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I told you I'm speaking today on serving one, and we haven't even talked about really serving. Do you notice how Ephesians, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, every time he's talking about using your gifts to serve, he mixes in there, get along with each other. Be on the same page. Support each other. 
be on the same page doctrinally. Be on the same page personally. Don't be fighting for your own. Don't be causing schisms in the body. Don't be doing those things. What does he say? Be kindly affectioned one to another. Love each other. Let your love be without dissimulation. Don't think more highly. Than, well, they didn't ask me to do that. Well, I think I should be doing that. Get rid of all of that. And just, if, you're, if your job is ministry, minister. If your job is giving, give. If your job is mercy, then, then, then be. If your job is this, be cheerful. Find your area and plug in. But unity, gospel unity always comes before effective gospel ministry. Unity is necessary for a church to move forward in a healthy way, loving each other and living for each other. Gospel unity is always essential and always comes before effective gospel ministry. Paul told the church, the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 12, where he's talking about how everyone has a different job. Notice what he says. Do your job. Here's what he says, that there be no schism in the body. What is a schism? A division. But that the members should have the same care one for another. Are you starting to get the idea? We've got to have a deep love for God and a deep love for each other. And when we do, we can't wait to serve together. We can't wait to help each other. We can't wait to invest in each other. We can't wait to reach people and help people. And we see somebody brings a guest and, and there's a, it's why we call it a church family. Number two, number two, not only not only unified in our spirit, number two, settled in our doctrine. Before we worry about, it's why sit in one is first. Before we worry about serving others and, and teaching them the truth, we have to make sure we are embracing it. Look at verse 13, please. Verse 13, he says, till we come, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. Would you see this in verse 14? Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Notice this, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in in love, verse 17, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened. They don't understand. Look at verse 20, but ye have not so learned Christ. It says in verse 22, put off the former lifestyle of the old man and be, verse 23, be renewed in the spirit, verse 24, and put on the new man, verse 25, put away lying, speak truth, for we are members one of another. What does he say? And I'm summarizing, you can go back and study it, it's a super rich passage, Ephesians 4. What is he saying? We have to make sure we don't all just get along with each other, we have to make sure we're plugged into a body that's actually flowing from Christ the head. Well, you, you can all get along, and I, I know I joked about the football, most of the fans at the home stadiums today are all going to get along with each other. They all are on the same team. They're rooting for the, the home team for the most part. But just getting along, just unity is not the answer. It's unity around settled doctrine, Bible doctrine. Are we all plugged into the body of Christ? And by the way, that's why you have to be careful. There is more um, content available to you and me than any other generation in human history. And that's a really big blessing, and it can be a really dangerous thing. Because you can find a, an article, a blog post, a, a message board, a podcast, a television, uh, re, uh, Christian religious programming that will tell you anything doctrinally. You can find all kinds of crazy ideas out there. You can go down all kinds of rabbit holes before we worry about helping others and serving others, we've got to be settled in our faith. We've got to be unified around the right doctrine. That's why last week is so important. We need to be in church weekly. It's why we should be in our Bible regularly, if, daily if you can. It's why we have our community groups. Why? So that we can be rooted up in Bible doctrine. This summer, we're calling our Wednesday evening gatherings 
On Wednesday nights, we won't have our breakout groups. We're all going to gather together for what we're, we're calling a Summer Bible Institute. And it's not a college. You don't have to pay registration. There's no final exams. It's our, Sunday, our Wednesday gathering, but it's going to be like almost a Bible college class. We're going to walk through our doctrines, understanding why we believe what we believe. What does the Bible say about this? Walking through key doctrines together. Why? Because we've, if we're going to be a healthy church, we've got to be unified in spirit, and we've got to be settled in doctrine. We've got to know what we believe and why. And by the way, that's a lifelong process and journey for all of us. Nobody has arrived there, but we should not stay, he says here, as children, the milk of the word, but me moving into spiritual maturity, into the meat of the word. We're launching, and I'll talk about it next Sunday, but we're launching on Sunday mornings during our new two services, um, what we're calling growth track. It's going to be uh, 10-week sessions. There will be four or five different ones. We're going to start with the first one um, on Easter Sunday, and that one will be really um, for either unbelievers or newer believers. It's going to be a study on the gospel and what, what the, how the Bible changes our lives. That'll be 10 weeks, and then it'll go into what does real Christianity look like for 10 weeks, and then doctrinal, key doctrines for 10 weeks, and then our identity in Christ, and growing together, and we're going to be running those uh, never-ending, really, repeatedly, and once we get through all of the first set, that, those will all be running at all times where you can jump in on a 10-week series. Why? To get settled in your doctrine. We'll do, be doing Sunday morning growth tracks where people can grow in those and then can, can come into the worship service together and continue to grow. Why? So that we don't have people tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. Can I just stop and say, all preachers aren't good preachers. All preaching isn't Bible preaching. All religious TV shows aren't doctrinally true and doctrinally right. Not all Christian podcasts are created equal. And so if you're, a, if you're maybe not as settled in your faith as you'd like to be and you're trying to grow, find somebody that's a little more settled and ask them before, because he says here, there are people that are crafty, they're cunning, they're good at what they say, and they can get you to believe just about anything because they're really, they're really good at manipulating truth. We must get settled in our doctrine. Before we worry about sharing the truth with someone else, we have to have a firm grasp and handle on the truth. And once we have a firm grasp and handle on the truth in our own lives, what should that do? That truth, truth should change us. It should change our thinking. It should change our understanding. It should change our priorities. It should change our purposes. As we get settled in our doctrine, we understand who God is and why he created me and, and what the, most, the highest priorities of this life are. That should change us. Being settled in doctrine should change my purpose. I want to serve others. I want to share the gospel. I want to plug in. Why? Because the truth of God has changed me, and I want to have a part in seeing it change somebody else. So when we get settled in our doctrine and we have a clear picture of who God is, serving is not something we have to do. It's something we get to do because there's somebody else that needs to, to hear the truth the way that I heard the truth. It should change us. And if following Jesus doesn't change you, you might not be following Jesus. Our priorities, our purposes, number three, number three, let's finish. What does a healthy church look like? A healthy church member, unified in our spirit, settled in our doctrine, number three, active in our service. Look at verse number 26 as we finish it up. Verse 26, chapter four, Ephesians, he says, be ye angry and sin not. Again, the truth should cause us to put away old things, put on new things. The right doctrine should cause us to, to, not, to, to be able to be sanctified, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole, look at this, steal no more. What is he saying? Truth should change the way we live, the way we speak, the things we live for. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he, may have, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Did you see? He said, go work hard so you can get some stuff, you can have resources. And then what are those resources for? To help people. To help somebody that needs it. 
Verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. If we went all the way back through the 32 verses of chapter 4, you will see all kinds of active verbs and active action commands as believers. He says, speak the truth in love. He says, put on the new man. He says, speak every man truth. He says, let him labor with the working of his hands. He says, give to him that needeth. Minister grace to hearers. Be ye kind one to another. What is he saying? You were not just saved to sit. You were saved to serve. You and I, and I don't feel badly putting a big emphasis on this because I know in my heart of hearts getting, encouraging you to serve is not something that I'm doing for me. In fact, this whole thing has been a whole lot more work and preparation. It would have been a lot easier to just go with the status quo of where our church has been and what we've done for all that time. Our church is doing pretty well. It's, it's in a good place. It's got a good spirit. There's a lot of people that serve. But I believe this change, I was talking to some other pastors that, that have similar service structures on Sunday morning. I believe it's going to allow many of you to engage and plug into service who aren't currently serving. But, but I, I don't mind encouraging it and challenging you. Why? Because asking you to serve or encouraging you to serve is not something I'm asking you to do for me. It's really for you. You'll be in obedience. There'll be a fulfillment. There'll be a joy. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Do we believe that? It's more blessed to serve than to serve. It makes you more like Christ. The Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one toward another. And what was in context the picture of that love? Jesus had just washed the dirty, stinky feet of his 12 disciples. And he said, I want you to go and do this. What was he saying? Here's how people are going to know you love me because you love other people and you serve them and you're willing to wash dirty, stinky feet. You're willing to do stuff that no one else wants to do. Why? Because I've, I've served you. I've changed your life with my service, my sacrifice. Now you want to serve someone else with your service and your sacrifice. Active in our service. Tiffany was, I think this was you, babe. You were recently reading a book and, and you sent me a text or an email. This quote, you shouldn't go through life with a catcher's mitt on both hands. You need to be able to throw something back. Serving will change you. It will encourage your church family. It will reach unbelievers. Verse 16 reminds us, it says in verse 16, that the whole body, we are all fitly joined together. Notice what it says. And compacted by that which every joint supplies, supplieth. What is it saying? It, he's using the picture, every part of my body has a role to play. You know the more parts of my body that start, start, stop working, the less things I can do in this life, the less effective my, my, my physical abilities are if I end up losing uh, the, the use of a foot or maybe a finger or maybe a whole hand or maybe I, I, I go blind or I go deaf. I'm not saying God can't use people who have parts of their body that aren't working correctly. I'm saying the more of those things that stop working, and it seems like the older we get, the more things stop working. Am I right? And uh, the more of those things that happen, the less effective we can be physically. Don't we say sometimes, oh, to be young again. I wish I had their energy. I wish I had their health. I wish I could recover from injuries like them. What are we saying? Their body is working a little more healthy. Why? Because everything's doing what it's supposed to. And that's what a church on the moves is. It's everybody doing what they can, everybody doing what they're supposed to. And it is, man, you're running circles around me. I can't believe what you can do. Why? Because that person's in great shape physically. And he says, every joint matters. Every joint is doing something that is, that is contributing to the health of the body. He, he reminds us, and there are no unnecessary parts of the body other than, I guess, the appendix, right? I'm not a doctor, but that's why they call it that, because it's extra. And Ashlyn, a, a few years ago, it was a Saturday night. She went home to, to bed with a, a stomachache, and like three in the morning, I'm supposed to preach Sunday morning, she, uh, she, was, she came into our room and said, it's really hurting, and, and I had Googled it. And when you Google anything, any symptom you have, when you Google it, it means you're probably going to die. That's what that means, all right? 
it's always a symptom of death. And so it was either she was dying or her appendix might rupture. It was one of those two things. And if it ruptures, you can die. Like, so, so I was like, all right. And three in the morning, I took her to the ER. I don't remember who I texted, but I texted our pastoral team. And I said, I'm probably not going to make it to church. Somebody else needs to read their Bible real fast and find a message to preach. And, uh, and I was there. And the doctor told me, I think if I remember right, Susanna, you're a nurse. I think they told me, we don't really know what this thing does. Is that true? We don't, we call it in the appendix because it's just extra. We don't really know what it does. Knowing God, it has to do something, right? We're just not smart enough to figure it out yet. But other than the appendix, and by the way, don't be, the, don't be an appendix. Don't be an appendix in the church. Don't be an appendix Christian that you serve no function. Everyone looks around like, we don't really know why she's here. <laughs> we don't really know what he does, but not cause any problems. Once he causes problems, we'll, we'll have surgery and take it out. But until then, we'll leave it in. Until they start causing problems, we leave them there. We don't really know why they're here. Don't be an appendix, Christian. Every other joint of the body has a purpose, and that's you, and that's me. And we ought to be active in service. He put us together, and every joint contributes to the effective work of the body to be healthy and serve. And when we do our part, no matter how small it seems, may I say what the Bible teaches? We share in the fruit of every soul that is saved. We share in the fruit of every believer that is edified. We share in the fruit. Isn't that what Paul said when they gave so that he could go preach the gospel? He said, there's fruit that abounds to your account. We share in the fruit of every marriage that is restored. We share in the fruit of every Christian that's growing in grace. We share in the fruit of every lost person that comes to a saving knowledge of Christ. And I'll wrap this up now. So here's my question for you. Where will you serve? on a regular basis, through your church, through your body, God put you in. This is not my idea. It's all through the New Testament letters. Could I ask you to consider, and it's why we've been taking over a month to talk about this, to let you pray and think about it, not make an emotional decision, but a, a wise, prayerful one. Would you consider committing to six months of, of regular service and see if your Christian life isn't more joyful? See if you aren't growing in Christ more. See if you aren't feeling more fulfilled that you're using your life for something that matters beyond you that you're not enjoying the work of God more, you can see on the back of your card if you have it right there. If you have any questions about this, or I'm in just a moment going to run through this and tell you who the leader is of these. If you have a question about one of these teams, you'll know who to go to. But kids team, you can see the number next to that. We need uh, 75 people, which would be about another 30. We currently have, I think, about 45 people serving on our kids team, but we're going to double. We're going to double the kids services. We're going to have 9 a.m. and 1045. So obviously we don't want the current kids team working both of them. We need some more folks. By the way, Pastor Kayla will help you. Every kids team member is background checked and, and the church helps you take care of all of that. And there's a screening process there, but we could use about another 30 or so. 75 includes all of those um, that are already serving. And by the way, when we turn this in next week, if you're already serving in a service team, mark that one. It's not only for new, we're going to find out how many, and we're going to give you updates of kind of where we're at and where we still need some volunteers to make our new Sunday service schedule work. Then there's the nursery team. Generally, uh, for most ladies, we ask you to consider one service a month. And we, we need 75 ladies that would help with that. Blake Hay helps to organize that. Our first impressions team, and I was going to have, if they're in the auditorium, stand or raise your hand so that we, we know who it is. Is Caleb in here? Caleb's in the back there. Is Blake in here, Jason, or no? Blake, there you are, Blake, right there, so folks can see you. Sharice, back over there. She doesn't really like people. That's why she's in charge of the first impressions team. She's sitting in the corner, doesn't want to talk to anyone. She's the first face everybody's, actually, Evan's the first face everyone sees at the, you honk at Evan, but uh, when you walk on, Sharice helps with our first impressions team. Currently, we have about a dozen people, and we're looking to bump that up to 30. You can serve at one service or both, and you can even serve there and still come into the morning service. Our parking team, Keith, I think is in the back, or did he slide out? I saw him there. He must have slid out. Keith Gilbert uh, helps with, with special events when we have parking flow and different things, and on Sunday, and helping find guest spots. I'd love to see that uh, 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 increase. Our security team is Stephen here. Steve right here. Uh, you can stand there, or raise your hand. Steve Mills heads up our security team, and we have multiple people on property and in service and outside of service every 
every service. And we could use about 15 more uh, folks that would be willing, men or ladies, that, that would be willing um, to serve there. And it can be some service, one service a month. Others serve a little more often. You can look at your schedule and we can figure that out. We don't want to overburden anybody, but it might be something you can do. And by the way, we're talking about Three to Thrive. There will be some that will, my wife will sing in the choir and she'll work uh, uh, once a week in nursery and will help lead a community group. We can, some of us can fill a few of these spots where already are. You figure out what you can do. Um, bus team and bus drivers, if you have any questions on that, you can talk to Pastor Caleb. We could use another. We have right now, I think, three um, people with their CDL. We could use another three, and we would help uh, get that process where you might be able to take one or two Sundays a month, or maybe the morning of a Sunday before bringing the riders to church, or maybe taking them home afterwards, so all that weight isn't on the same two or three guys uh, every Sunday to get here early on Sunday morning and to stay late on Sunday afternoon, if you're able with that. Our sound booth, we have right now about five that faithfully serve at different services. And you can see Ryan Cavan, who's sitting back there. Did you notice his tie? He's looking good this morning, isn't he, right back there? First time he's worn a tie at church. I don't know how long. I'm proud of you, Ryan. And uh, we'd like to double. We have about five. We'd like to double that to 10 as we're doubling our Sunday morning services, where you'd be able to help there. Our live stream, Zach Church is probably up there. Are you up there, Zach? You can come wave at the window if you are. And uh, they've got, I think, about 15 folks that serve. There's somebody waving up there. And uh, we could use 25 there on the live stream team between the two services. Um, our photography and social media right now, Andy Young handles a lot of that. Will Yanez takes uh, pictures most Sundays, but we could use a couple more if that's something maybe you're gifted in or you work in with photography or social media to take it to the next level in our ministries. Service setup and cleanup. Marquise is in the back there at the back booth. This would be, you would get here 30 minutes before the morning service or stay 30 minutes after the morning service. And so you wouldn't miss a community group. You wouldn't miss church. It would just be 30 minutes to help us get some things set up and 30 minutes to get the property ready for school on Monday. That might be something you'd be interested in. Um, the, uh, the choir team, and I love our choir, don't you? And this morning it was beautiful, never once. And, and the crowd has been great the last few weeks too. It's always good, but it's, I've noticed there's five or 10 more in there. My prayer is still that there would be 10 or 20 more than we currently have there. And I know that as we go to the new schedule, there's always somebody that maybe is sick or is out of town on business or is on vacation. I'd love to have 75 that are a part of that team, which would probably mean we'd end up with 55 or 60 on a regular basis, most services singing. And uh, they practice one time per week. I'm praying for another 25 there. The orchestra, I had my notes, we have six people that play uh, instruments in our, in our music team, but that number went up to seven this morning. Rebecca, did you notice her on the cello back there? Rebecca was playing the cello. And uh, I'd love to see another few instruments, at least 10. I'd like to see that continue to build. So if you play an instrument and you're interested in that, talk to Pastor Sammy about that on the music team. A new team is going to be the coffee shop team. And Jen, if you'll wave at us right there, you can stand so folks can see you there. Jen McMain, she ran a coffee shop when she was getting her master's degree. She's going to help oversee that team. And we really want to encourage fellowship in between the two services. When the first group's going out to wherever they're going, to their service team or community group, and the others are coming into their worship service, we're going to have a, a, a full coffee bar out there. And we're going to, I think it's, it's, we've named it On Mission Coffee. Anything you buy, any profits to it is going to go 100% um, to mission works. And we're going to send that and use that for mission so you don't have to feel guilty about drinking your, your uh, latte, your 4 or $5 latte or whatever they cost now. Um, all the profits going to be going to missions works and to mission projects in our, church, in our ministry that we partner with. And we could use about 10 folks um, that would help out at one of those services um, with the coffee shop and all of those things. Prayer partners. This is something we did for many years pre-COVID. And Rodney, I think we didn't do it. We haven't done it since COVID. Is that correct? And so Rodney, if you'll stand there, folks can see you. Rodney will help schedule that. That generally is what happens is while I'm preaching here, we had done it up till COVID. And then I don't know how it just kind of slipped and we just never restarted it. Um, but while I'm preaching here in one of these rooms, there's a group of men, four, five, six, seven, eight men that are on their knees praying for the word of God to go forth with power. And that, that, that those that might not be saved would understand. And those that are would be edified. And so maybe you'd be willing to join the prayer partners in one Sunday a month. Um, you're in, in there with a group of men praying for our church and praying for the preaching and praying for the service. You can see Rodney there if you have any questions. Ushers, uh, we could use another six to help with the new services. Javen's in the back there. Javen uh, helps head that up. And then the last one you see there is the breakfast club. That's not you going to brunch with your friends. 
That is you coming to church a little early, so this one, your service might be before church, and then you come to the worship service, and then you leave after the 9 o'clock service because you served in one and sat in one, and you're going to share during a midweek community group. But these would be folks getting here probably 7 or 7.30. We're hoping to get enough people that we can make it teams that you only come once or twice a month on that, not that every Sunday you have to be here at 7 in the morning or 7.30, and they're going to be making breakfast burritos and breakfast sandwiches and doing those things, and a way to serve, and then when folks come at 8.30, at 8.30, we're going to have coffee, iced coffee, um, hot coffee, and breakfast burritos for everybody that comes at 8.30. Again, I know for those that are visiting, this is not how I normally preach. My message was kind of over. This is the practical application. But here's my, my prayer and my challenge. Where can you plug in? There are, uh, by the way, we have other service teams that people do stuff all throughout the week. We have folks that come down and volunteer all the time in different areas. These are not all of our service teams, but these are the ones we need to make the new Sunday service work. These are our Sunday service, uh, service teams. Could you be involved in one, at least of those? If you have any questions, let me know. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make those commitments in the coming weeks. We'll be giving you weekly, week, uh, uh, weekly updates of where we're at with those numbers. And as I close, I want to show you a two and a half minute video powerful video. It's a powerful testimony of a man who went from a regular attender of a church to a a committed contributor and how serving changed his perspective of the church. all, All he did, he got asked to help serve on the coffee team. And he talks about how it changed everything. I'm going to ask the sound to make sure it's nice and loud, if you will. Uh, he, he, he's, I, I, I'm not exactly sure which country, um, but he's either from Europe or South Africa. I'm sorry. I don't know all my accents. But he has definitely a different accent. So it can be a little bit, and they'll have some captions. But I want you to listen about how service changed his whole perspective on his church. The church. I didn't even really like Christians that much. I used to think of it like a pack and steel. Like, you get Jesus. And so you get the church and Christians thrown. It's just part of the package. And uh, there are some bits you like, Jesus. Some bits you don't like so much. It's like the church and Christians um, used to find that a bit annoying. But I'd turn up the church and go through it. But I didn't really enjoy going to church. And then one day, uh, I was at the back of our church in East London. And someone said to me, oh, we need help to run the coffee team and I was like I was like working like 70 80 hour week I'm like what and they were like yeah we Steve we really need your help running the coffee team on a Sunday and I was thinking I'm a barrister I'm not a barista like I've got a job I don't need another job to run the coffee team but I just you know sometimes you, you just can't even think of what to say so I was like okay I'll do it I'll do it okay and and I instantly thought why did I do that so I turn up next week like, you know, trying to get the cups and everything, get the coffee right. As I handed these cups to people, something really changed in me. I found myself, as I handed coffee to these people, growing in love with them. I was like, these people are amazing. Like, this is this extraordinarily diverse community. It's been gathered from across the area, probably not another place that looks as diverse and integrated as this. This is a miracle. And then I, even people I found a little bit more frustrating and complicated, as I handed them their coffee, I kind of grew in love with them. And I kind of basically fell in love with the church. And then I kind of went back to the person who'd asked me to do it. I said, we need a new coffee machine. We need better beans. We need better mugs. Like, we, come on, these are amazing people. I want this to be the best coffee that they get. You know, they, they're coming to church on a Sunday morning. I got more and more passionate. I started to build a team to serve coffee on a Sunday morning. I sometimes say, Making coffee changed my life because I fell in love with the Church of Jesus Christ. I didn't realize why it was special. I didn't realize why it mattered. And as I made coffee for people, I suddenly realized, oh, the church is like the bride of Jesus Christ. It's like the thing he gave himself for. Like the church is God's plan for the salvation of the world. There's no plan B and God is gonna build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So like, God is putting all his eggs in the church basket. And I realized over those few weeks, there's a beautiful thing here. Yes, it messes up. Yes, it makes mistakes. You'll never find a perfect church, but it's a beautiful thing. And I thought, that's what I want to spend my life building. Isn't that beautiful? I figured out it was a British accent. He was from London. <laughs> I should have listened more closely. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I thought I got Christ and I had to take the church along with it. They kind of frustrated me and annoyed me and it's people I would have never hung out with. And then when I started serving, 
What a beautiful thing. This is God's bride. It's God's plan. And he's using me to make a difference in it. I'm just telling you, there's nothing like serving your Savior by serving his bride. Would you consider serving somewhere through this local church in the weeks and months to come? Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.